We are ending our series called New Beginnings in Genesis, but we're only ending part one. So it's okay, but we're going to take a break from the book of Genesis, and we're going to spend some time in another series. And I know you guys have been like, I really love the series in Genesis, and you don't ever want it to end. Don't worry, we're going to take a small break, and we're going to come back to it, okay? So, but today, to end our series, New Beginnings, part one, we're ending with this famous story of the Tower of Babel. And in this story, we see something. And we see how humanity is chasing after this version of the good life. We see humanity chasing the good life, but they're doing it in the wrong way. They're chasing the good life, but doing it in the wrong way. And it's likely that we're doing the same thing. We have this version of the good life, and we're chasing it, and we're doing it the wrong way, and it's leading to our ruin. And it is happening in this story, and I bet you, in fact, I put a 100% bet on this, that you're doing the same thing that we see in the story, that you're chasing the good life, but you're doing it in the wrong way, and it's ruining you, actually. And it's actually quite serious what's happening to you. And so, so what I want to do today is I'm going to ask you to do something towards the end that's very uncomfortable. And I'm going to ask you to do something that goes against your instincts. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to call you out. Some of you are already like, well, are you going to ask me specifically to stand up or do something? No, it's just between you and God. But I'm going to ask you to do something uncomfortable between you and God. And it's going to go against your instinct. Um, so just prepare for it. So here's the story we're looking at, Tower of Babel, Genesis 1, or Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Sinar and Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from, the, from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. All right, so what's God doing here? I mean, it looks like humanity's flourishing. It looks like humanity's doing some pretty awesome stuff. They're building this building up to the heavens. This looks pretty awesome. And then it looks like God's coming in like Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball, just wrecking everything. I mean, is that what's happening here? You can laugh at that, because it was really funny. Like, I said it to myself and laughed, and you... All right, whatever. So... Is that what's going on? And the, and the answer is no, actually. God's not coming in like that, like Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball. He, he's doing something gracious, and he's doing something loving, and he's doing something beautiful. So here's what's going on. They're trying to build a tower up where? To the heavens. Why? They're trying to get to the good life. They're trying to get to paradise. They're trying to get up to heaven. They're trying to get back to Eden. And this isn't just a tall tower that they're building. It's called a ziggurat, 
which means they're trying to build something. It's a very spiritual thing that they're doing here. They're trying to build this tall tower up to reach the heavens, up to reach the good life, to paradise, to the gods, you might say. And along with this tower, we see another hint about what they're doing. So the city is called Babel. Now, this could be the future city called Babylon, but right now what we know is the people who are building the city, they, it has a few names. So one of the names is the Gate of God. Another name that the Bible gives them is Babel. It's like a play on words going on here, but, but the city becomes this name of the Gate of God, and so here's what they're doing. They have the city that they're calling, I mean, it's pretty arrogant. They have the city they're calling, this is the Gate of God, and we are building a tower up to the heavens so we can get up to God. Now, here's what's really going on. They're trying to get up to the heavens to secure the good life for themselves. To, to, they're storming the heavens in order to claim God's throne. They're trying to move him aside. They're trying to make it their own so that they can give themselves their version of what the good life actually is to them. They're not doing this to come up and start worshiping God. Like, that's not the purpose here. So how do we know that? Well, actually, there's been, a, there's been something that God keeps telling humanity up until this point over and over and over again. Even all the way back in the beginning, he says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So they're supposed to go out and fill the earth. This has been God's command over and over. But what are they doing? They're not trying to fill the earth. They're trying to build up. They're trying to build up, not out. So here's what's happening. And, and it's, it, it might seem strange what God's doing, but it's really beautiful. The command is, fill the earth. The command is, it sounds like, leave Eden, this place of where the good life is, and go fill the earth. And so why would God tell them to leave the good life behind? He's not, actually. Here's what God's saying. Eden is within humanity. Eden is... Humanity is part of it. Why? Because God is with them. So God, God is really where Eden is. Where Eden is, God is. Where God is, there is Eden. And so if God is with them, and they are the image of God, and they are going out upon all the earth, what they're doing is they're expanding Eden to stretch all the way across the entire earth. That is God's like command. That's God's vision for what humanity is going to be doing. It's this great gift that God's giving humanity, and humanity says, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to build straight up. They have no intention of listening to what God is saying here. This is what happened. In the garden, humanity got tricked. Humanity got tricked by this great evil to believe something. God is not to be trusted. Yeah, Joe. And he doesn't, and, and here's what, they're, they're saying this, they're thinking this, they're being tricked with this. God does not have your best in mind. In fact, you know, the heavens, they're up there, the good life's up there, and God's telling you to go out that way. He's telling you to go out. Why is he telling you to do that? Because he has no intention of giving you the good life. He has it for himself. And so what you got to do is you got to figure out a way to trick God because he's trying to trick you. All the while, humanity is being the one that's being tricked. And it's the foundational lie that, that Babel, that was happening in Babel, meaning God is not to be trusted, so we got to get up there, we got to storm the heavens and take the throne. It's the foundational lie that humanity keeps on believing over and over and over again, that God is not to be trusted. It's a lie that's saying God's holding out on you. So you got to juke him. 
you got to get around him. You're in this like spiritual game of dodgeball with God, and he's throwing the ball, and it's going to come at your face. And so you got to juke him and turn around because he's not to be trusted. He's not going to give you what you want. He's not going to give you the good life. And so you got to go claim that throne. And so essentially what's happening is we're in this spiritual game of dodgeball, and we can't let God win. That is the lie. And we're falling for it. And that's what the tower is all about. It's this belief that God's sending us to fill the earth, but the good stuff's up there keeping us away. And the original purpose of humanity, like, well, the original command of humanity is to go fill the earth with Eden. And we kept not listening to God about it, and that's what caused all of these problems. Take the throne ourselves, we said. So here's what I want you to realize. Think about it like this. There is a battle raging right now that you cannot see, and it's over your trust. God versus evil. God's adversary, his name is Satan. That's what Satan means. It means adversary. And all that is evil, you know what it's doing? It's whispering to you. Very subtly, don't trust God. He's not to be trusted. He's holding out on you, and he's never going to get you what you want, so go and get it yourself. And I'm telling you, you're being influenced by this in subtle yet very, very powerful ways. See, tell me if these words sound familiar to you. Things that you're believing in the back of your mind. God's holding me out on fun. Like, you know, if I start reading the Bible, I know what's going to happen. Like, my life's going to get super boring. God's going to be asking me to do all this stuff or not do all these things that I really want to be doing, and it's going to make my life super, super boring. I mean, I don't want to be like one of those boring Christians, so... Ah, I'm staying back. Or you believe this. You know, if I obey God, he's going to give me everything I want. But I'm obeying him, and he's not giving me what I want, and I'm super upset about this. So you know what? I'm kind of questioning God, and you know what? I think I'm done with this thing. Or God won't care about this sin because I'm not really hurting anybody. Or, man, my life's been super hard. I've been dealt a bad hand, and I'm like this victim. And so... You know, there's some things that I can do that other people can't do because I'm just a victim of this world and some things have happened in my life. And so, you know, I've got a right to do some of the things that maybe aren't fully right, but you know what? I have a right to do it. And essentially the lie is saying this. Don't trust God. He's holding out on you. Take the apple and get the good life. Build the tower and get the good life. Take the throne and get the good life. But don't listen to him because he won't give it to you. All right. So here's our second point. This is us making a name. So the first was the tower or the good life. The second is making a name for ourselves. So, so this whole tower, this is all about getting to the good life. But how do they get to the good life? By making a name for themselves. Okay, so here we go. These people are claiming to be the gate where he- the heavens are. Claiming, claiming to be the gate of where God is. And they're building up this tower to get to the good life. And they're doing it all by making a name for themselves. And here's what's going on. They're chasing They're chasing the throne. I mean, you think about this. If you have a throne, like essentially what it is is this. We're all trying to set up these little tiny mini kingdoms, and we're all like, you know what? You go do what you need to do, and that's fine. I'm going to do my kingdom here. You're going to do your kingdom there. We're taking our own throne for ourselves. As long as your kingdom doesn't mess up with my kingdom, we are good to go. And then guess what we get to do? We get to build the life that we want it to be like. 
and we get to make everything how we want it to be because we're the kings and we've taken the throne from God, we've removed him and we've given ourselves right to have these little tiny mini thrones. And we're actually really cool with the mini throne. As long as other people's mini thrones don't get involved with our mini throne, we get to make our life the way we want it to be. Oh man, doesn't that sound awesome? It's to have enough influence over God, over the world, over whatever, for you to at least build your own nice little kingdom where things are the way you want them to be. Let me say it this way. To make a name for yourself is a way to say or to earn, or is a way to say, I'm worthy of the good life because I've earned it. I've earned this good life. I deserve this, so I'm taking it for myself or I'm going to do whatever work needs to be done in order to get this good life. All right, so here, here's the key. For them, and for all of us, we've got to admit it, we think it's up to us to get the good life. And there's all kinds of ways that you could try to make a good life for yourself. So we chase after success, money, power, love, family, but when it all comes down to it, here's what we're doing. We've got these list of rules Come on, come on. we got these list of rules that we think we need to follow. And if we follow them close enough, then we will have arrived. Uh, what I want you to see here is that a lot of us, we're following rules in order to dodge God. We're following rules in order to avoid him. In order to, to say to him, God, you owe me. This is a way for us to take our throne. It's a way for us to take control of our lives. And to keep God away. Because if we say, if we follow enough rules, then God has to give me what I want, then what does that make you if you follow enough rules? The king. It gives you your kingdom. It keeps you in control. And essentially what we end up doing here is we're using God to get to the good life. God has the power to give me the good life. If I can do the things I need to do to get it, then I can bypass God and I can get the life that I want without him. Now, I love picking on people who have been in the church all their lives and so... um, I'm going to do that. Uh, So if you've been in the church a lot of your life, you've probably gotten really good at this, meaning you've probably gotten really good at using God as a tool for you to get what you want. Or at least that's what your mindset is. And you're you're thinking to yourself, if I obey all the rules, then God has to give me the life that I want. And so I'm going to do that. And it's it's just a way to claim the throne for yourself. It's a way to say, God, you know what? I don't really trust you. I'm following the rules, not because I trust you, but I'm following the rules so that I can bypass you and get the life that I actually want. And you wonder why the church is filled with people who are angry. It's because they're following these rules that they think God is going to give them the life that they want, except God is not doing that for them, and they're pissed about it, and they're angry at the rest of the world, and they're making us look like horrible people. It's true. It's to say, God, I don't really trust you, but I'll do some of the stuff that's required so that I can get what I want from you. You know, to to really trust God, you know what it's to say? It's to realize if I knew everything that God knows, then, then I would probably do the things that he's doing in my life because he knows more than I do. It's to say this in your prayers. If God knows everything, if, if, if you knew everything that God knew, your prayers would be absolutely perfect and you would always get what you asked for. 
because you would know everything that God knows. So you don't know everything that God knows, so you're praying things that aren't good for you, and so God's not giving them them, giving them to you, and you're mad at God for not giving them all the while. He has way more wisdom than you, and he's not giving them to you for all of these reasons. But what it all essentially comes down to is we don't really trust him. You know, I feel like I'm trusting God like, like I have moments of clarity every once in a while. There's slivers of clarity, and the rest of my time is spent thinking, man, how can I get the things that I want? And I find myself doing the things that God wants me to do in order to get something from God. I mean, i got to be able to admit this to you. Like, make my family happy. Make this church the most amazing church in all the world. I'll do the things that you need me to do, God. Just tell me what I need to do. I'll do them. And, and you know what that's doing? That's putting me in control. That's making me say, God, I, I know you've probably got some plans, but mine are probably better, so let me follow the rules so that I can get from you what I want and then get things that I want from you. And God, I don't really love you. I just want you to give me the things that I love. And then when we don't get them, we have a spiritual temper tantrum. Yeah, it's all of us actually, Joe. We're all, I mean, we're like, I, I'm just, if God's looking down, like he's seeing us and he's like, man, look at all those people having spiritual temper tantrums. And, and okay, so let me throw this out there. This is actually very similar. This is like a Christianized version of karma. So, so karma is saying, if I do enough good stuff, then good things will happen. If I do bad stuff, then bad things are going to happen. And so the universe will somehow give me the, these things or whatever. And so what, what karma actually is trying to do is to try to say, if you do this, you're going to get something from this force. But it's asking this impersonal force to give you something very, very personal. It doesn't make any sense. But you know what? We're doing that. We're doing that in the Christian, Amer- American Christian church. We're coming to God, like making deals with him. Like, God, I'm going to do this, you do this for me, I'll do this for you, you do this for me, and that is not love at all. Essentially, what we are saying to God is, I want Eden, but I do not want you to be there. I want your kingdom, but I want it without you, because I want to be the king. And sure, God, I'll do what you want me to do, but I want to do it so that you will give me a better life. And you know what, if I mess up a little bit, well, you're a God of forgiveness, so you better forgive me. And all we're doing is bargaining with God. You know, like, if you loved someone and you asked them for water, like, can you go get me some water? But before you asked, you said, hey, I just want to remind you, I'm at the yard, I did all this stuff, and I did this for you, and this for you, and this for you, so can I have a glass of water? And that's really what we're doing with God. And we know that that's not how, like, real love relationships work. It's like, hey, can I have a glass of water? And they're going to give you water, not because they love you, and you're asking for water, and you're thirsty, not because of all this stuff that you've done for them. And we do that with people, and we do that with God all the time. It's just a bargain. We want Eden without God. We want the kingdom without the king. We want to build our way to paradise, but we don't trust the God of paradise. And the people who built this tower, they just want to be gods themselves. They want to make a name for themselves. They want to storm heaven so that they can get all the stuff that they want. And look, I want you to know, like, just giving up your own kingdom for God's kingdom is the way harder than you probably realize. I, like, I would rather build my kingdom than God's kingdom. Like, I just got to be honest with you and tell you because I've got all these really good ideas. And they would be awesome if they all happened. 
And so I kind of want to say to God, God, just give me the throne for like a few minutes. I could do some really cool stuff and I'll give it back to you. And you can start doing all the lame things that you were doing. But let me like, let me just do some stuff and it's going to be super cool, God. Please just let me do it. Let me do it. And, um, you know, and I got to tell you this too. When I'm praying and I'm like taking a, like I'm taking an honest look, like what's going on deep in my soul. And I'm looking at, like, I'm sinning, and I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that today. I shouldn't have done that today. Um, and then I'm like, let me see wh- where this is coming from. Like, why am I doing this? And I trace it deeper and deeper. And eventually what I find is I'm doing this for my kingdom. And that's what it all ends up boiling down to. At the heart of it, at the heart of my sins, I see this just desire to have my own kingdom. It's chasing the good life by making a name for yourself. Okay, so let me, let me do it. Let me say it this way. So before we started, before the Grove started, uh, about two and a half years ago, we were trying to figure out, we knew we wanted to start a church, or I knew, and Elise was like, okay, I'll go on some crazy adventure with you. So we're trying to figure out where we're going to do this. And we had some people recruiting us to plant a church in California. And so we went and flew out to California. We looked around in California. Um, and then we started looking all around just the nation, like, where do we want to do this? And what we started finding is that each place we looked at, we started looking at each place, and they they had their own version of the good life, and they had their own way of how to make a name for themselves to get it. So, for example, in L.A., the good life and making a name for yourself is kind of like wrapped up together. So if you could become famous, you will have the good life. Like, that's the tower to build. Become famous, and you have the good life. Uh, If you look at other places in the world, like, they're not so concerned about, like, working hard. They just want to have like this fun life and this fun adventure and go on vacations. And so their work, they'll work and their work is kind of their tower, but the good life is this vacation. If you think about New York, New York is like success and money all wrapped up. And I realize I'm making generalizations here. If you look at Miami, it's all about image. Now the question is, what is it here? The answer for here, like our version of the good life, it's just a nice, comfortable life. Just like an easy, like, I wake up in the morning, like, I'm kind of retired, but not really, but maybe I'm retired, but I can, I can sip some coffee and just like maybe sleep in a bit, and then if I feel like doing something, I'm going to do it, but I just like, oh man, just a nice, comfortable life, like that's our version, and, and, and how, what's our tower to get there? Well, it's probably different for all of us. We probably all have some type of tower, some type of way that we're going to achieve this nice, comfortable little life. And I want you to know if you're thinking, man, I, I don't really like that. I'm, I'm not really like that. Well, I, let me tell you, you're probably more like that than you realize because the culture around you is telling you over and over and over again, chase that comfortable life. Chase that comfortable life. And you're like, oh man, I got to get out of here. I don't want to be like that. Where you're just going to go somewhere else and that culture is going to tell you some other thing that you've got to do. It's, a, it's forcing its way upon you. Chase comfort. And you're like, oh, that sounds good. I don't know what the problem with that is. Um, you're probably using God to get to that comfortable life, in all honesty. And you're saying to God, God, if I can be a good person, like the person you want me to be, then I know you've got to give me the little good life, right? It's like we're going to God like he's the karma God. And I bet, I bet it could be partially why you're here today. Like making a little bargain with God. Maybe we don't realize we're doing it, but we probably are. And I, I, okay, so this might be a little offensive, okay, but... 
Who cares? Um, so this could be why you're finding yourself going to God. Not because you're really interested in him at all, but you're interested more in what he can give you. And most of it's comfort. And God could have this amazing destiny for you to do in this life, and you'd rather do the destiny that you want in this life. And so you say, so you say this, God, I'm going to get close to you, but not too close, because if I get too close, well, then you're going to start asking me to do things that I really don't want to do, and you're going to start asking me to do uncomfortable things, so I don't want to do those things, so I'm going to stay back a little bit. I'll get medium close, and I'll look at, and you, so you look around the room, and you're like, well, that person seems medium. I'm going to do a little bit more than what they're doing, so then I can feel good about myself, but I can stay far enough away from God that he doesn't have control of my life, so I kind of still have a little bit of a throne. Could it be that we so badly want this comfortable life that we come to church because we think maybe by doing that, God's going to give it to us? Or we do just enough to satisfy God so that we can get this comfortable life. Could it be that we so badly want this comfortable life that this is the reason why we have so much anxiety in our life because we feel like we're about to lose this comfortable life at any moment? Could it be that the reason that we're having such a hard time like sharing our faith is actually because, like, and even if it sounds strange to us, like this just deep desire to say, man, Jesus, like, he's changing everything for me and I want other people to know what he's doing for me and this would be so good for them, but we don't have that burden because actually we're staying pretty far from God. And by staying far from him, that burden, it escapes us. It's, we never find it. And so, but that's okay because we're comfortable. And do you realize how powerful it is to just not think about something, to just like push it in the back of your mind like it's not there. You don't have to deal with it, and you keep pushing it in the back of your mind over and over and over again, and then you, you, you're missing things because you're not actually thinking about them. You're not thinking about God. You're not going to him. This is what I mean. You know that feeling like, here's this Bible, and I, I don't want to open this thing up because as soon as I do, it's going to be like, Here's what you should be doing right now. And you're saying, I don't want to do that. So I got to keep it closed. And they're like having this battle, like open it, close it. Uh, and finally you're just like, oh, I'm not going to open it. I do that. And essentially what we're doing, we're treating God like a lion. We're keeping him at a distance. But we're, we're close enough to where we can see how amazing he is. We can like admire him and say, whoa, wow, look how glorious. But we stay far enough away so that that glory and that beauty and that worth never changes us. You can appreciate the power, yet it has very little effect on your life because you're standing so far back. And here's, what, here's what's happening. You're believing the lie that if you go to this lion who is God... That his power, he doesn't have his best for you, so he's not going to use his power for your good. You're falling for the lie. That's why you're not approaching God. We're trying to study God in this controlled environment. That's not the way we're supposed to do this. The good life is where God is. Not standing like a little bit back, or pretty far back, but enough to admire him and enough to say, you know what, hey, look, I'm doing my job. I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do. I got these list of rules. I'm doing them, and woohoo. It's not that, it's, it's going all the way. It's safe distance, it's not, a, it's, it's not a thing. Giving yourself over to him. 
Okay, so th here's something even more offensive. <laughs> it could be that many of us have thought we're Christians, but what we're really doing is just watching God at a safe distance. Because we don't want to lose control, and we don't want to lose comfort, and so we're just watching. Like, it sounds like they back there, all those kids, like they went all the way in. Um, seriously, though, like, just let that sit there. Like, how far back, like, are we, are we going? And, and I'm, look, look don't, don't make this like a legalistic thing, and now you're like, okay, well, I think I'm here, and I think I have to be here, so let me just, okay, I did it. What, I, what I'm saying is just go all in. Just go for it. Give yourself over to him. He's waiting for him to approach you. Not so that he will protect you, though he will. He's waiting for you to approach him, not so that he will make you happy, but he will make you happy. He's waiting for you to approach him, not so that he will give you a comfortable life, but he will comfort you. He's waiting for you to approach him because you simply trust him. And it's to trust that he's going to give you a name. That you're not making a name for yourself, but he will give you a name. And it, this name that he's going to give you, it is so amazingly wonderful that it is too great for you to earn. It can't, you can't earn this name. You can't do enough good things to get the name. You can't accomplish enough to get the name. It's just simply him giving you this name as a gift. In the story, in the story, listen up, listen up. In the story, God comes down as they're trying to build their way up to the heavens. And it's really, it's kind of like this funny like thing going on because God's like mocking them like, oh, you're trying to work your way up there. Let me just, you know, I got to climb down here and, and see what you're doing. And listen, it's not that cities are bad and it's not that technology is bad. The problem here is the reason that cities are being used, that the city's being used. The problem is the way that technology's being used. It's for the glory of man, not for the glory of God. It's for man to build a name for himself versus receiving this name from God. You know, humanity, they're united. They're accomplishing great things. Humanity united can accomplish some great things and can accomplish some horrible things. Look at history. It will show you that. The question is, is what are we united around? And if we're united around God and building his kingdom, great things will happen. If we're united around building our own little kingdoms, horrible things will happen. And in the next chapter, we see Abraham. God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a name. And Babel's being contrasted with Abraham. And if... Mm, ah, I'm skipping that. Okay, so here's what's going on in Babel. God knows something that they don't know. They're being tricked to believe the lie. That God does not have his best in mind for them. And we are believing that same lie that God does not have his best for us. See, so what does God do? Well, he kind of comes in like a wrecking ball, I guess. He's messing up everything that they're doing. I don't know if you felt this before, but you're working on something. You like got something good going and you're working on it. And then all of a sudden God comes in and messes everything up. And you're like, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me right now? Things were the way they were supposed to be. They were going well. And then you came in and did this to me. Why in the world is this happening? 
He's confusing your plans so you will stop building your kingdom and so you will be forced to decide, am I going to approach him, the lion, or am I going to run? He's basically putting you, he's saying, you got to either go all in or you got to go all out, and I'm not giving you one or the other. He's putting, he's putting pressure on you. He's messing up your plan so you have no other option but to say, I'm all in or I'm all out. Let me... Stop playing it safe. Stop avoiding him. You're being tricked. He can give you a name. You know, it says in, in the New Testament in Hebrews where he's giving us a city that can't be built by human hands, but is built by him himself. And then we see in Revelation that that city that he's building, he's building it now. He's building it in the heavens, and there's going to come a day where that city comes down. It's not that we get up to that city. The city comes down to us. It's the same thing over and over and over again in the Bible where God is coming down. He's being gracious. He's being loving. He's building the city for us that we long for. Abraham leaves the comfort of his home to go somewhere where God does not tell him where he's going. He has no idea where he's going, but he has faith in God and he's trusting him. He's saying, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. But he brings it down to him and to us. See, oh man, I don't have the words to tell you how beautiful this all is. Him coming down. Look, let me say it this way. Our sin is building the tower. Our sin is trying to keep our kingdom over God's kingdom. Our sin is falling for the lie that God doesn't have our best in mind. But when we see him who has come down, Christ, we approach him. I mean, he is the lion. He has the power. We approach him. But what we find is that he has a name for us. And he changes us. And he gives us a name of the child of God. He writes our names in the book of life. And also we have the name the bride of Christ. You realize how beautiful that is. That is not something you can earn. You don't earn a love like this. This is something that's given as a gift. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to earn it. It's not going to work. Just take the gift. It's there. You just have to take the gift. Just I trust you. Give me you, and when I get you, I know that I get Eden, and I get the life, the good life, the life that I'm made for. And yeah, life's going to be hard in this world, but I know that one day you're going to bring the city down that I can never get up to myself, and so I'm trusting that you're going to bring it down to me. By grace, his love has come down and has scattered us away from the kingdom that we're building. And see, here's what happens in the story of Christianity. God comes down. And there's a city, it's called Jerusalem, but it's pointing forward to the future city. But basically, here's what it means. There's Eden right there. There's Eden right there. And you know where Christ is? He goes outside of Eden, goes outside of the city gates to be crucified. Why is he doing that? He's paying the price for our entry. He's paying for us to get in. And it's only through him. In fact, what we see in the story is, is that Jesus, when he dies, something very strange happens. 
The curtain of the temple is torn. Now that means a lot of things, but here's what you got to know right now what that means. The temple, inside of the temple where the curtain is, that's the Holy of Holies, meaning this is the presence of God. That's where Eden is, and it's torn into meaning we all have access into Eden through faith now in him and him alone. It's there. But it took him going outside of the city to meet us, to die so that we might live to be destroyed so that we might enter in. Stop looking at him from a distance. He's risen and he's waiting for you to come. So just go all in. Father, we pray now that we would do what is uncomfortable and that we would go to you fully. We would go to your son, that we would give our lives to him and trust him more than we trust ourselves with our lives. And God, I pray that as we're fighting you on this, as, as we're hearing this call for us to go fully in, all in with you, and as we're feeling the tension and as we're wanting to back out of this, God, I pray that you would show us a grace that is absolutely irresistible so that we would come running. Bring us to you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... One of the best ways for us to run to God is in communion. Um, here's what's happening in communion. We saw this last week with the baptisms. There's a story happening around us. And what we have before us in communion is the story of God being acted out, the story of God saving us. And what happens is when we enter into communion, we're actually being written into the story of God saving us. We're participating in this beautiful story, this beautiful narrative where God has wiped away all of our sins. He's prepared us to enter into this place called Eden, this place called paradise, this place where the good life really is. And this is our way of seeing what it cost him. And so that's what communion's about. And so we're going to have communion up here this week, not in the back, but up here. And, and I want you to know this. Every step that you make towards this table is a step of faith. It's a step saying, I believe this is true. It's a step saying, I'm going all in. And it's a step closer. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's a step closer and closer and closer. Think about it like this. When you're approaching the table, you're approaching the lion of God. And you're going all in. You're submitting yourself to him, and his power is going to give you the good life. All right. So, here's how it all happened. The night that Jesus was arrested, he was with his closest friends, one of which betrayed him. And when he was with them, he said to them, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. You see the curtain of the temple torn in two. In the same way he said, this is the cup. My promises that I made that I would come to open up the gates so that you might enter in. That cup represents this promise. And each time we eat and drink of this, we're remembering that promise over and over and over again. So let's stand up. Um, and we've, got a whole, we've only got one song. Normally we have two. We have one song. So sometime during the song, whenever you feel led, you don't have to all run up here, but whenever you feel led, you come up. Um, you take 
the bread and you dip it um, in the wine or the juice. Um, don't drink all the wine, just dip, dip the bread in. Um, all right, let me pray for us as we're going to do this. God, I pray now that the, you would, your spirit would come and be with us and let us see the moment that's happening before us now where we are saying, I'm all in, I'm all in. God, I don't have this all figured out, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to measure up. I probably won't, but that's okay. I'm going to go to you, and I'm going all in. And so, God, help us to take the steps towards you, towards your, your amazing power. Let us see us walking up to you like we would walk up to the lion and say, I'm all in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.